Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, folks, welcome back to Last Mountain Wire football podcast, week 13 edition. Happy Thanksgiving early show this week so you're welcome for those long traveling roads you take with uh whomever you're with mwr.com that's what you're listening to jeremy moss matt kennerly and we're at the final week matt we we've we're here unfortunately i guess sort of Sad, sadly sadly but it's also an awesome week right yeah like what's what's that saying about um you know don't cry because it happened or whatever like that smile because it, i forget what it is hey, if I'm, been... I'm, I'm i'm mangling that whole Hey, it's, it's, it's you for once, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it could be the, the late pizza analogy. It doesn't matter what type of pizza it, it is. It's usually pretty good or better than no pizza, right? Oh, okay. It's uh, it's uh, don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. There we go. That's good. Doctor, and, that's Dr. Seuss for you. Brilliant. Ge- liter- literary genius, Dr. Seuss. Yes. All right. So show is early because we had Thanksgiving games and and we pro- probably would have been early just because it's Thanksgiving week and we got stuff to do. We're busy. We got family. We got not ham to eat, which we will not discuss because we'll have an article about Thanksgiving sides because <laughs> the ham debate will rage on forever. That's true. <laughs> not ham. That's all I'm going to say. All right. So let's just get to it. Thursday afternoon. Um, it's Colorado State at Air Force. Matt, how many people will show up at this game? How many does Canvas seat? Like thirty? Excuse me, thirty-six thousand. It's actually the Air Force Academy. Oh, it's at the Air Force. Okay, so that's forty-six thousand. Um, are we talking like announced attendance or actual people in the seats? How many people on a TV presentation? Uh, I mean, on TV, it's probably going to look pretty sparse. Exactly. One good thing going for it: weather's pretty nice. It's supposed to be a, a mild fifty-five degrees. Mm-hmm. So what you do if you're a football fan, if you are a cadet at the state at the uh, academy, which I don't know if they can go home or whatnot, um, but if you have family in town, go check out the game. Right, fifty-five degrees, mid-afternoon. Have a have a Thanksgiving dinner, not a Thanksgiving afternoon meal. Right. This is like your your tune-up for the afternoon meal. You know, because if you go out there, it's uh, what is it, eleven thirty kickoff uh, no, Pacific one, time, twelve thirty. Oh, okay, one thirty Mountain, twelve thirty Pacific. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you go out there, you enjoy the game, and then you come home and eat. And you get some stadium food, which is better than – not better. Well, sorry. Let me rephrase that. Different because there's only so much turkey and stuffing and potatoes you could have, right? I will disagree with that, but continue. Well, I, it's a good thing, but I'm saying mix it up a little bit. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. That's what I mean. It's, it's a little mix up. and so Or it's your last meal before you gorge yourself of potatoes, turkey, goodness all weekend. So this game's 1.30 p.m. There's um, a little bit on the line. Air Force has potential outside shot to make a bowl game. We kind of discussed it last week, rambling through what, or yeah, last show, what five win teams can get to six. Mm-hmm. Basically, if there's any teams with five wins that go to a bowl game, first up is Air Force because they're smarty pants. That's and, true. And are you surprised it's a two touchdown line for the Falcons? Sort of. It depends but, what Rams team shows up, right? Yeah, because, I mean, we've seen kind of. <laughs> You know, we haven't really talked about it as much as with teams like San Diego State where it really stands out. But especially lately, the Falcons have played a lot of close games. 
you know, going back to their own game against the Aztecs, you know, they lost that game by four. And then the week after that, they won at UNLV by six and they lost by 10. They lost by three. Mm -hmm. The only really comfortable game that they've had recently was a couple weeks ago against the New Mexico Lobos. Mm -hmm. So on the one hand, it does kind of surprise me. But on the other hand, I think you're right. It kind of depends on what kind of showing we're going to get from the Rams because they, in comparison, have been less competitive more often. Yeah, the quarterback change to Colin Hill hasn't gone as planned, which, spoiler, could have told you that. It's actually been worse, which is a little little bit surprising because quarterback hasn't been an issue. I would say in this one, it's it's kind of what we've seen for the, for the Rams. If they can play what 70% defensively efficient efficiency as they did versus Utah State because Utah State didn't beat them offensively the Aggies drove down the field but they got stalled for field goals they weren't getting big plays they lost because of terrible passes by Colin Hill I was watching the highlights again just the other day just because he had Mm -hmm. like those both those picks were ridiculously bad he had like two or three terrible bad passes but then again he has those that one in the back of the end zone to Preston Williams late in the game and then the Hail Mary was spot on so he's hit or miss if he could be a bit more consistent and then also look what Izzy Matthews did the team we saw Saturday versus Utah State is probably the team we thought we'd see all year for Utah for the for the Rams right I mean yes and no maybe 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 without the turnovers well I mean well let me rephrase that competitive wise you know what I mean like running game was okay passing game yeah it could be better let me rephrase that but defense played much better than anyone thought and so but maybe not the actual on the field but I mean, they did. Compared to what they normally do defensively, they were, they didn't allow any Utah State three-play 60-yard drives in 10 seconds or 45 seconds. I think that kind of depends on your perspective because – I'm trying to be positive here. <laughs> well, and if you recall and if you recall the, the recap podcast from a couple of days ago, you know, we made mention of the fact that on a per-play basis, Utah State was pretty much right there with Colorado State as far as what they were able to do. It was mm-hmm. basically, you know, 6.2 to 5.9. Um, and when you – when you dive further into the numbers, you kind of get the sense that it was more of the same because, you know, not only was Utah State nearly as successful on a per play basis, the biggest difference between the two teams is that Colorado State ran 30 more plays. Um, to me, what stands out is that Utah State's running game, while on the surface, it doesn't necessarily look terribly impressive because Gerald Bright and Darwin Thompson only had, yeah, I think it was 137 yards combined. But they had a 50% combined success rate, and they had a, an opportunity rate, which is basically just how often they're getting at least five yards, of 61%. And that is in keeping with what the Rams have been doing all year long, and especially recently. And it plays on a couple of levels, because I went back and I, – because I was, I'm always curious as to how teams shake up against this uh, this triple option offense – just twice in the last 10 years, the Rams have held Air Force under four yards per carry. Really? That's amazing. Yeah. Like then going back all the way to 2008, which was as far back as CFBstats.com could go, they've been above five yards way more often than they've held them under four. And when you consider that on the season, the Rams still rank 123rd nationally in defensive opportunity rate. They rank 108th in stuff rate. They just don't get push up front. And considering how they played against the run the last month, they didn't really offer a lot of resistance to Boise. They didn't really offer a lot of resistance to Wyoming or Nevada. 
And so it strikes me as just a particularly bad matchup because that's exactly what Air Force is going to do. They're going to run the ball 50, 60 times. Mm-hmm. They're going to, you know, keep it away on offense. And, Dick you know, as long as, they, as long as they avoid the big turnover, which is another one of a, a Colorado State's Achilles heels, I really don't see how this game is going to be terribly competitive. You're right, because looking at just rushing defense, like you kind of gone over, Air Force rushing defense is very good. In league play, and the Rams have had what did Izzy Matthews have? What he had 100 yards last week, I believe, wasn't that what he ended up having? Yeah, so he's been okay of late, but overall, we've kind of been lambasting the running attack that has nothing going going well. He only has four touchdowns on the year, he has like what 500, 600 yards, he has three games of 100 yards, but his past three games were minus five versus Wyoming, 36 and 100, Nevada, Utah State. So it's like mm-hmm. There's no reason for me, even though we, even a week thirteen, that should be the strength of this team. There's no reason we should say it's a strength of their team outside of an. It's it's more abnormal that he gets a hundred yards and he doesn't. To have a swing I mean, of 105 yards and one of those is negative overall. That's pretty concerning. I mean, I think the saving grace, you know, if they can avoid turnovers, is that Air Force is still proven to be susceptible to big plays through the air. And if there's one thing in the Colorado State's been able to do on a on a mostly consistent basis, it's getting the ball downfield to Preston Williams and Ola B.C. Johnson. So, I mean, with as, with as often as, as Colin Hill has turned the ball over in the past month, it kind of strikes me as a dicey proposition. But if Air Force is able to get a lead, I think it's pretty clear that the Rams are going to have to throw to catch up. And they do have some talent on that side of the ball. But again, it just kind of comes back to, you know, can he make all the throws that he needs to make to keep them in this game? I don't know. That's the thing. That's, yeah, that's, that's the question. So what is it? Is it really um, getting just checking into Preston Williams the whole game? Is that kind of their should be their game plan? <laughs> well, I mean, when you look back at what he's done on the season, that's kind of been their plan. If, if you look at total targets, for instance, and – I, I got through about two-thirds of the FBS teams on Bill Connolly's stat profile Google Sheet, which, as usual, if you haven't checked it out, you should. Do it every day. I'm pretty sure that Preston Williams is number one in the country in total targets. That would not surprise me. And while his catch rate hasn't necessarily you know, kept up with as, as often as, been, as he's been throwing the football, you know, right now his catch rate's only 55%. But I think he's doing about as much with the opportunities as can be expected when you know where the ball is going and, you know, you know that opponents have seen that you can make the highlight catch week after week and he's still doing it anyway. And so, you know, if I'm Air Force, you know, they're going to be without Jeremy Fedulum for at least the first half of this game because I think he got thrown out of the of the Wyoming game last weekend because of a targeting call at the end. Of course. Um, I mean, this is a, a secondary that has been a little bit dicey here and there. So if Preston Williams can go off, that can give him a chance. But again, it just comes down to Colin Hill avoiding the back-breaking play. All right, so that's true because he had a couple of bad throws. So going back to Air Force offense really quick, is Donald – I know we know you mentioned they're going to run, as they do, 40, 50, 60 times a game. Is Donald Hammond going to be the real X factor where he goes 5 of 8 for like 125 yards? I mean, I don't see why not. I think that could be a difference because let's just say the Rams do play good on good, above average defense against the rush attack, which you said they did last year. Let's mm-hmm. just say they play a little bit better. 
And the rant with the Falcons, as we've seen, like who's been running well the past couple weeks, it's kind of been besides Fagan, it's kind of been a rotating cast of characters a little bit. You see, mm-hmm. oh, this guy pops up with a hundred yards. This guy had a career high versus team, and so they only really have two reliable rushers. Then obviously Cole Fagan, and I get well. No, you got Caden Ray- Rainsburg back there, but you know what I mean, Rumsburg. Excuse me, but it just seems to be they. Ha- it's not the team where they have. It's like what you normally see Air Force throughout the years. One guy t- at the top of the depth chart, you're running back, maybe fullback, majority of the carries. Next guy, then the quarterback. They have like the three guys who get about like 225. Mm-hmm. If they do that, they'll be fine. But if the Rams have any success stopping them, slowing them down, limit big plays, because that's a huge thing, then I think even though if the – because here's the thing with the Air Force attack. Even if even if it's not going well, like they're not getting the big 20-plus, 20 25-yard plays on the ground, even 10-yard plays, they still do the same thing. You have to respect any fullback that ever option play. So yeah. even if that's not going well, they can still do a play action and beat you in the passing game, even though your running game's not doing well. They might not be as um, – the defense might be uh, – what am I trying to say here? But the, f- focusing too much on the run. You know what I mean? Like if, the, if they're doing the running – if they're stopping the run very well, they are going to not going to – the DBs aren't going to step in and move inch closer and closer and closer. They're just going to play their spot. So well, that's, and to echo to echo that point, you know, Air Force is still a top 40 team as far as rushing S&P+. Plus. Mm-hmm. You know, they're still a top 40 team as far as success rate, which to me is another potential mismatch because on defense, you know, Colorado State's own rushing S&P rank is 118th and they're 118th in defensive success rate, too. So they don't necessarily need the big play to to, to grind this defense down. So what do you think is going to happen? Then? Is, it, is that going to be the case or who do you think? Because it's a big spread. They expect the Falcons to win easily. Yeah, because what is it now? Fourteen and a half. Fourteen point five. I don't know if Air Force is necessarily going to cover that, but I do kind of expect them to keep the Rams at arm's length throughout the game. I kind of expect it to be a little bit of a high-scoring game because I think that Colorado State will be able to take advantage of at least some of its opportunities. <clears throat> so I would take the Rams and the points, okay. but I would take Air Force to win. I'm going to say. Um, 38 to 30. That's a lot of points there. Yeah. I think it's, I'm, I'm with you. It'll be covered, but I think it'll be like 30 to 21. Where, right. Because if the Rams offense goes, we've seen them score some points. So, all right. Next game, it's all Saturday slate. We'll get to Wyoming at New Mexico where Cowboys are his touchdown favorite. 1130 Pacific time, 1230 mountain time. Clearly it is on, um, shoot, is this an AT&T game? AT&T sports. Okay. It didn't mention here. So, the big thing here, Cowboys, similar to Nevada, have been playing quite well of late. And they they won last week because the amazing comeback, eight down, what, um, 13 with eight minutes left to win the game? It went by mm-hmm. um, eight. So they've won three in a row. They have to win this to be bowl eligible. Here's the thing, though, Matt. They are pretty injured. Vanderwall's done. Or excuse me, not Vanderwall. Excuse me. Vanderwall's a starter. Chambers is done. Has there been an update on Nico Evans yet? Uh, I have not seen anything as of right now. He had an ankle thing, and so that's an issue because he tried to come back in. He he left the game, seemed to be worse off than before. Mm-hmm. And so, if those guys, if here's the thing, if Nico, I, I know New Mexico is bad, but if Nico Evans doesn't play, it's going to be an ugly game and hard to watch. I don't know. Yeah, Vanderwall came in great, adrenaline led the team to victory, awesome. But I just don't know if he's starting the whole game, even though he gets to prepare this whole week, how well they'll do. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if 
losing Chambers is going to mean as much as losing Evans. But, I mean, I think we've seen that there's a drop-off in the offensive production when he's not healthy. Um, And, you know, Vanderbilt may be, he was a little bit lucky to create that comeback last week because he wasn't terribly efficient. Like, he was right around 50% as far as his completion rate is concerned. He was just making plays on on big downs when the when the chips were down sure but i mean we've seen i mean on the one hand we've seen what this wyoming off we've seen this wyoming offense flail without its stars you know and, and go back to the missouri game for instance where they lost 40 to 13 you know they they only managed about 3.7 yards per carry and, and javon bigelow was the the high man on the totem pole he only had 56 yards and Xavier and Valaday chipped in with another 35, but it wasn't necessarily that impressive. And so you want to kind of hedge your bets, but then you look at this New Mexico defense that kind of like we just talked about with Colorado State hasn't really offered a lot of resistance lately. And I just don't know. <laughs> we haven't really seen Wyoming enter this situation in the same kind of way that we saw earlier in the not in non-conference play when they were missing Evans, where they were trying to stick with Vanderwall to see what he can do. So it's a different kind of matchup than we're accustomed to seeing this this Cowboys offense deal with. So I really don't blame them for being optimistic. Yeah. Also, really quick, I went over I. Said... Thank you, YouTube, for having translate not translation transcripts available more often than not. Uh, Nico Evans is day to day, okay, with that ankle injury. Which who knows? He has a whole week. We are recording again. We're recording this Tuesday morning, essentially early Tuesday afternoon. So a lot of information will come out probably. So look for our previews and stuff. Look for our keys to victory. Those type of things where that information, if it becomes updated, we'll have it for you. But as of right now, day to day ankle. But you saw how he came back in. He tried to come in and it was even worse. I don't think he'll play. But I mean, does it matter, even, though? Does it matter? Because New Mexico offense is garbage. Well, and like we just talked about with the Colorado State or defense, you know, New Mexico's run game, at least in the last couple of weeks, against Air Force and Boise State, the Broncos averaged over five and a half yards per carry. The Falcons were over seven yards per carry. And they had six total touchdowns between them. So... Even without Evans, I think, like I said, I think you can feel good about Bigelow's and in, Valaday's chances to actually do something for once. Because this is this is not a great front six that New Mexico has. No, so you think no matter who's back there, the running game should be successful enough? I mean, even if it's not as explosive it is, as it has looked with Evans in the backfield, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt he's given the offense a shot in the arm, especially with Chambers back there with him. Mm-hmm. But I really don't see them regressing as much as they did in in September, basically. I think the best case scenario is they kind of look like they did against New Mexico State, where you know it was it was fine and the defense really did a lot of the heavy lifting to dominate in that particular matchup, which you know we know Sheron Jones is probably going to be under center again. Um, and he's been kind of up and down throughout the season. And if the defense can continue playing at the same level it has been lately, the, you know, they've been basically playing really well since, uh, I don't know, since the Fresno State game. That's, you know, that was over a month ago. So maybe a little better late than never in this particular instance. But the Wyoming defense has really come around and started to play a little bit better. And so they should have an advantage on both sides of the ball regardless of whether they have their best playmakers or not. 
did we discuss the recap about New Mexico kind of being banged up on defense? We did. Okay, I was making sure I'm looking for stuff because everything seems to run together this time of year. So I should just mention that again real quick if you never listened or you turned it in now for whatever reason because you found us. Thank you very much. Um, there could be some defensive changes, which we'll see how that goes because you have like guys like Cody Baker may not play, didn't play much. He could be out this week. So what I was going to get, I was just looking over that. So that's one thing to look for too, which could help Wyoming's offense with if they're going up against New Mexico's backups. But – so, Matt, real quick, let's get to score things. we got to make this quick. The over-under on this game is 45 points. Take the under. I don't care what you say. I could seriously see this game being like 13-3. to three. You think so? It convinced me not. Why should it be more? Assuming, well, caveat, Nico Evans doesn't play. If he doesn't play, this, like, whoever gets the two touchdowns might win this one. So then should we give maybe two different potential scores? Sure. Since it's earlier in the week, I will go with it. I will do this. I say Wyoming's winning regardless. Okay. So I'll go with that. They're going to win B-Bowl eligible, which I will eat crow because I'm like, no way they do this because they've been playing terrible. So they're going to be B-Bowl eligible. Hopefully they get to a spot. If Nico Evans does not play, I won't go the lowest 13-3, to but I could see like 17-10. to Okay. And that would basically give a push since – do I have to pick the cover or not? Is that what, – what, what should I do there because it's just touchdown line here, Matt? I have to pick one or the other, don't I? No. I'll do this. No, I'll, do this. I'll go 17-9. to No touchdowns for the Lobos. There we go. See that that maybe brings up one last point that's worth worth noting. Uh, can we shout out Cooper Roth real quick? Of course, Lou Gro's a finalist. Yeah, not the guy we expected to come out of the Mountain West in that regard, but there's no doubt that he's having a really good year. Correct. So that could make a difference, and also same nice weather as in Colorado Springs, um, mid fifties, upper fifties actually. Um, if Nico does play, it'll be like it won't be that much different, but I think it might be like twenty-seven to ten. Like, they may get another touchdown or some more points because they moved the ball better. I mean, I think with Evans, it's probably going to be something like 20-7. to 7. Uh, Without him, I'll say 16-7. to 7. But okay. regardless, I would take Wyoming in the points. All right, let's take a quick break really quick. Up next, the good old San Jose State-Fresno State. Matt, which goes for the, uh, the Valley Trophy, is that correct? That is correct. ESPNU. An interesting kick time, 4 p.m. Pacific. For once. Is this the first afternoon game for the Spartans this year? Or, I mean, for the Bulldogs? Uh, At home? Yeah, I think so, because uh, Idaho was a late kickoff. Toledo, uh, right? Toledo was a late kickoff. Obviously, San Diego State was a late kickoff. Yeah, I think it was. Okay, just, just curious. So, are you going to go head out to this game since it's an afternoon kick, maybe? No, unfortunately, I will be in Southern California this weekend. That's right, so have fun with that. So, Also, would you want to be at the game, really? I guess you being out of football games is always fun, right? Yes, it is. So this matchup, um, interesting, where's the line here? I see ticket prices. Matt, would you pay, if you're in town and had to pay, would you pay $23 to go watch this game? Um, sure, why not? <laughs> okay. I'm going to give the scores right now for its uh, team ranking and I'm in a number fire. Okay. Over under is only 51 points. Not very many, right? Mm-hmm. The um, spread is 31. Yes, it is. <laughs> the score predictions, number fire, 40 to 8.5. Team rankings, 40.6 to 11. It is, uh, they expect it to be pretty lopsided. Do we have a status update of, Mont- of Josh Love? Is he going to be playing? Uh, I have not seen anything. Uh, looking at the depth chart as of a couple of days ago, Josh Love or Michael Carrillo. Okay. M- Michael Carrillo did all right. 
Um, it's it's still or as of right now, running back Tyler Evans, um, Josh Oliver to get him the ball all the time. But so for, here's the thing about Fresno State because this we're doing this before the playoff rankings are out. Fresno State is in line. They're not in line. They have potential to make a New Year's Six game. Mm-hmm. Also, they cannot host a Mountless title game regardless. No. After I went through a double check. So if they win, they might be ranked Tuesday night. I'm not sure. If they win, they might be ranked next week. I don't know. We'll see. The week after, I should say. No, they don't even do a playoff ranking off selection Sunday, do they? Uh, yes, they do. Well, I mean the final ones, right? And the second. So we will know if they're ranked or not, but it may not matter. We'll, whatever. We don't need to go that far ahead. Here's the thing. They need to win and probably win big to do something, move the need a little bit. Because if they went out, if they beat San Jose and then either Boise or Utah State in American West champ wins, they're in, right? Simple as that, right? Easy peasy. There you go. No big deal. Just be <laughs> cent- just have Central Florida lose. Cause yeah, and I mean, maybe it just bears repeating um, because I wrote about it yesterday. So if you haven't checked out the article, go do that. Um, but I mentioned it on the recap podcast. It's pretty simple. No matter whether you're rooting for Fresno, Utah State, or Boise, um, you root against South Florida. You root against whoever comes out of the AAC West, and that's pretty much it. Against South Florida, you mean? You mean Central Florida? Or against UCF, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, watch that game, UCF-UCF. But this and, in the, a- and in the meantime, um, maybe I should throw something else out there, too, because this is something that we were talking about a little bit in, uh, on Twitter the other day. At this point, you also have to help hope, rather, that uh, the teams that you have beaten can help you out with wins in, on their own. And so I'm thinking particularly about Wyoming, who we just talked about. I think you want them to be able to beat New Mexico and get bowl eligible. UCLA. UCLA. Um, Toledo. Teams like Toledo, BYU. Um, yeah, BYU, come on. They're playing Utah. <laughs> they're playing Utah. Well, I think you. I mean, that's a game you want to keep an eye on because if BYU can win, that is something that bolsters the case for both Utah State and Boise State. I think um, – here's the thing. Well, I don't think any of that matters. You know why? Why is that? Because if – say whoever gets American West and say, let's just say Central Florida does not win the conference. It doesn't matter what BYU, UCLA, Toledo, Minnesota, Wyoming does for any team in the conference. You win the conference you're in. That's true. So yeah, scoreboard watch just for curiosity, curiosity's sake, but just watch UCF South Florida. That's the only game that matters. Besides yeah, your game. That's true. And so I got the rain on your parade, but I'm saying just, it gets a point. Who cares? Is this our way of avoiding talking about this game? Sort of. <laughs> we, we need to make this preview quick, so we this is one of the game we can go skimpy on. Do, okay, so what do you want to see from your Fresno just say State this. Bulldogs? What should we see? I think what I want to see is I want to see them tighten up a little bit pass coverage, because while on the whole they were able to keep the Aztecs in check last week, you can't ignore the fact that they were able to land some haymakers deep down the field with the passing game, and you know regardless of whoever's under center for San Jose State. Yeah, we already know that they've got some guys who can go and get it down the field. It hasn't always been kind of, it hasn't always been an element, a reliable element of their offense. But I mean, at this point, you know, Josh Oliver's averaging 12 yards a catch. Trey Hartley's averaging 15 yards a catch. And Trey Walker, do you realize he's averaging almost 22 yards a catch? That's got to be one of the best in the country. It's, yeah, he only has 28 catches, but he has almost 600 yards. So, it strikes me as the kind of game where you know, even if Tyler Evans can't get it going on the ground, and I really don't see any reason for for him to be able to get much traction, 
this is the kind of game where they just have to kind of throw it all out there and just take their shots down the field because we've seen it a few times that that Fresno State has been susceptible to it. You know, Hawaii was able to land a couple of blows early in their matchup against the Bulldogs. Obviously, as we just mentioned, San Diego State. And, you know, Boise was able to do the same thing. That was a key element of, of their upset bid. So if it's going to happen, I think it's going to involve that downfield element. I think you're right, but I still think they can't go away from Talon Evans because he's good enough to have a handful of plays. So yeah, I mean, I mean, but I not good enough. I don't to... think they're good. I don't think they want to be one dimensional, yeah. but I think to win this game, they're going to have to be. And their defense, like if they could pick off McMarion, because their secondary is pretty good. We discussed all your breakups, PBUs, defended, defended passes, interceptions. That's they're, true. They're they're not good. It's they're not going to win. It's not going to be close. I think they could cover it because thirty-one points is a lot. But I'm thinking it might be like 30. I'm going to go 35-10 for Fresno State. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, I think maybe it'll be a little bit more than that. Um, I would probably still take San Jose in the points, but I'm going to say 42-17. to 17. Okay, I can see that as well. All right, let's get to the next game. Nevada at UNLV. Oh, boy. CBS Sports Network, 6.30 Pacific time. Nevada at UNLV. Apparently, there's a lot of Nevada fans who hate this game being played sorry i had an awkward pause there for a moment <laughs> people in the state of nevada don't like this game being played this weekend because it's expensive to get to vegas people come from out of town i don't know why they say expensive because i was really looking to go to las vegas for thanksgiving for heck of it i can get some cheap hotels so i don't know what they're talking about maybe i'm looking at the wrong places right matt maybe maybe, maybe. but rivalry weekend is where both these teams wanted to play because the league ask teams is there a certain game you guys want to move or have on a certain day because a lot of people want to have this on Nevada day which is well, October 30th something like that Halloween. I think so yeah somewhere around there but they want to end of the season because this is when rivalries is being played we gotta give credit to the league for making great games this final weekend where they're not doing crossover games that's why when we get to Boise State Utah State division title game online amazing you have the I know this game is Nevada UNLV and a couple others but are they are they're all divisional games excuse me but it's not Cross divisional games, which is could be a mess, so like last year. But this game, Nevada's a twelve and a half point favorite. I don't know what to make of this UNLV team because they brought in Rogers versus Hawaii, and he did nothing against a bad Hawaii defense. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he's listed with an or um, with Max Gilliam, and I just at this point, I don't know if bringing him back into the fold is the right move. I think you just kind of have to let it ride with Gilliam and, and then just kind of reload for next year. I think that's correct. Yeah, that's the smart move to do because the foot injury, especially because, well, he's a quarterback. He runs a lot too, so maybe he's not – he's healthy enough to clear the play, but that's a big deal, like foot deal. Foot, is, foot issues, toe issues are hard to run around. Plus, Nevada, don't just say it's because Rodgers isn't playing well or he's not going to play. They're not going to win. Nevada's playing at one of the best teams in the conference. They are, they're about to get their eighth victory, which – very few people, excluding me, said that could happen. <laughs> That's true. You you got that one pretty much right on the head, didn't you? I'm just saying they didn't go. They didn't chat. Well, actually, yeah, I said they would give. They'd get one upset victory. I guess the Aztec victory did count because they did say they'd get one of the top three teams. So, boom, I got that right. But they've been playing quite well. Their defense, like you said, they get to the quarterback, and what UNLV, what they can do, Lexington Thomas and even Charles Williams in one game have played pretty well of late. That's how they're going to beat Nevada, if they can run the ball and run well. Because that's, I think, really the only th- only way they can do something against this Nevada defense. Passing the ball, 
Jillian's been, even Rodgers has been wildly consistent. Yes, they've had multiple touchdown games, but also multiple interception games or taking too many throws to get a high yardage throughout the game. Like, you know what I mean? Like throwing around 50%, but having good yardage, but that percentage wise completing every other pass is not going to get it done. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's going to be easier said than done though, because when you look at Nevada's, their, their own stat profile, you know, they're right around the top 40 in both stuff rate and opportunity rate on defense. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, they might be tempted to feed Lexington Thomas and you know, Charles Williams and everybody else in that backfield. But that isn't necessarily a guarantee for success. I think that they might be better trying to take their chances downfield like we've seen them try in the past. I just, I mean, I look at this matchup and I think that, you know, Nevada's been playing well on pretty much every front for at least the last month now. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if there's any particularly easy answers for the Rebels in this matchup. Did you know, in conference play only, Nevada is 30 yards per play allowed better than Wyoming or yeah, better than Wyoming in yards per play allowed. It's not bad. They have fewer yards per game allowed. They're the number three defense in most categories in conference play, which when I, when I cycle through non-conference play, they were eighth averaging five. They've basically gained a yard better 0.8 yards better in conference play than non-conference play. So they're playing quite well. And here's the, you want them to throw, but Malik Reed can get to the quarterback, man. They have yeah. guys who could push people around. That's kind of how they were keeping up with Boise State and those close losses they had. They were getting to the quarterback. And so that's why I think they're going to have to run. And then Jillian or even Rogers, whoever's back there, can't be erratic. They have to not throw bad passes like Hawaii because there are some bad throws in that game. But I just don't really realistically see a way how UNLV can get the win. You know who could probably have a really big game this week? Someone we, haven't, someone we haven't really talked about for a while. Who's that? Ty Ganji. You think so? He better, right? In this game, this matchup? Because when you when you break it down by what quarterbacks have done in conference play, do you realize he's, he's, he's very slightly ahead of everybody, but he is number one in the conference as far as yards per game? It's pretty good. He's been playing really well, and... You know, maybe maybe it's our fault that we're not really talking enough about it because he's completing 65% of his passes, 14 touchdowns against three interceptions in conference play, and, and a very healthy 8.2 yards per attempt. So that in itself, you know, with with McLean Mannix, Caleb Fossum, and, and Romeo Daubs, who, oh, by the way, he had 100 yards last week uh, in their big win. Those three guys... <laughs> You know, they could just decide to air it out and really not need Toa Tala to do much more than than play a role that forces you want to respect the run. Because if they could torch them early through the air, they could salt the game away with Toa Tala and Devontae Lee pretty easily, I think. Sure. And the reason maybe we're not talking about them, love McMarion and Rippon all have better numbers than him overall, and they're all above. They're closer to 70% than 65%. Yeah, I mean it's all. It's tough, I mean, it's kind of relative because it's not. It's not saying that Ty Ganji is like so far below them. No, I mean it's he's just. Close, it's just that. Barely. It's just that Rippin and, and McMarion have been playing really well, especially and, in conference play. And, and Jordan, of course. yeah, I love. It's just yeah. It's just, I would. That was my point. I'm just saying because he's been just just below, and they. It's people are have people haven't been paying attention to the Wolfpack. So, I think they're gonna win. That point total. He kind of gets me a little bit. Twelve and a half. Actually, I think I, I'm going to go bold. They're going to do it. All right. Because over under 62 and a half, I think 
I think they're giving ULV too much credit score points. I think it's going to be one of their Nevada finally get a decent sized victory. And when like, I'm going to go 38, 17. See, it's funny you mentioned that. That was going to be my score too. But you have UNLV winning, right? Is that the only difference? <laughs> no. No, I do not. Uh, I would definitely take Nevada. I would lay the points. And I would. I, I was going to say 38 to 17. So Just great like minds think alike. Let's stick with that. All right. It's a big victory. All right. Now we go to Hawaii, San Diego State, where Hawaii breathed a sigh of relief last week to become bowl eligible. And we discussed the oddness of the comments from coaches <laughs> about where, where San Diego State could play. But... Aztecs are a big 17-point favorite at home. It's on ESPNU, so not CBS Sports Network, folks. ESPNU, the good old 7.30 Pacific uh, standard kick time for the Aztecs. And I think what we want to see is going to start for quarterback. That is an excellent question. As of right now, the depth chart does list Cole McDonald in the QB1 spot. Is it the same depth chart all year, or they just do pull Utah State from a couple years ago? <laughs> I mean, it has... Uh... I have to ask that every time because you never know. I mean, maybe, but, uh, I mean, they did take Jelani Tavai out the middle linebacker spot. So okay. <laughs> so I'm assuming that they're updating it every so often, at least. Um, one thing, um, Sandy's not too happy about, uh, well, Player of the Week awards we saw it was uh, Tyler Vanderwall. Apparently, mm-hmm. the guys at Hawaii World World, Steven Sai was not happy. Cordero did not win Player of the Week. I mean, I guess I could see that. I mean, my the only counter argument would be you have to play more than a quarter to really qualify. I know. You have to at least play two quarters. I think Jordan Love set that precedent. We can call that the Jordan Love rule. There you go. Yeah, Jordan Love rule. That's that's a thing going forward now. <laughs> but who should start? Should Cord- I think Cordero should start. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think it's pretty clear at this point that Cole McDonald hasn't been quite the same quarterback that he was early in the year because there's been a big difference between what he was able to accomplish in non-conference play versus conference play you know and maybe some of that is because the competition has caught up with him a little bit but his overall passer rating has dropped by almost 40 points and while he still has a a touchdown to interception ratio of slightly more than two to one it's 13 to six you know we just talked about the fact that we're maybe not talking about Ty Ganji enough but McDonald's own numbers just kind of pale in comparison to not only what he was doing earlier in the year, but what other quarterbacks in the conference are doing. And it really kind of came to a head last week against the UNLV defense that let's not beat around the bush. That pass defense is not good. And so Mm -hmm. I think if it were me, you know, you have bull eligibility wrapped up. I think I would probably go with Cordero personally so because I think you would give him an extended audition. And I think it would be an interesting situation to put him to put him into because, you know, San Diego State's pass defense for the most part has been pretty rock solid this year. Yeah, and so would this mean who starts? Do they get the bowl start then? I mean, I think that I would maybe play it by ear. Okay. But so, I think for this week I would probably go with Cordero. So is San Diego State having nothing not not nothing to play for. They still don't win and do all that stuff. But what do you like? What would they be doing? Like, we've seen them still go back and forth, Agnew and Chapman. I, it just makes no sense. Do you know what I mean? I like, really don't see a reason to play Ryan Agnew. Me neither. That's my point. Why are they going back and forth? Because they said Chapman's been healthy for like three weeks by now. And and he too is listed at QB one on on their own depth chart. So I'm not sure. I mean, I haven't heard anything di- that they're going to do anything different on offense, but. 
you know, playing two quarterbacks when you don't really have to. I mean, especially since, you know, going from facing Fresno State's defense to Hawaii's defense is a, is a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Hawaii's own pass rush, for instance, has been kind of hit and miss for a long time. Um, so I think that if they go back to Chapman, which, again, if it were me, I would, I don't necessarily think he's going to face that much pressure anymore. Because while Hawaii is you know, fourth overall in in sacks on the year, half of that came in non-conference play. Yeah. And they've been more middle of the pack as far as developing their pass rush in conference play. So they don't really have one standout guy that San Diego State's going to have to scheme for. You know, Maybe if he gets sacked once or twice, that you know is not necessarily that big of a setback, I don't think. I think they should be able to play their game, which is you know run, play action, and play defense, and keep it competitive, if nothing else. What I want to see really quick as we get our score prediction here is Juwan Washington actually play better because there are issues on the offensive line, get that straightened out before they have at least three weeks off to prepare for whatever bowl game they're in. Mm-hmm. So I think get him out there, get him going, get the offensive line up and running will be fine. But I, Aztecs a win. Their offense hasn't inspired me much. The 17 points is a ton. Even though the over-under is ridiculously low, 54 for that many points. <laughs> Not quite Fresno San Jose State level. But I think it might – I'm going to go kind of low. Like it might be like 30 to 10 as for total points, I should say. Because I don't see Hawaii getting any points against this defense. You don't think so? Not that many. So I think like 30 to 10 is what's what it's going to be. I think it's going to be a lot closer than anybody anticipates. Ooh. Why is that? Because I, I don't want to say that Hawaii is you know, completely devoid of offensive talent. Like we like we just talked about earlier with Fresno State you know, in their own susceptibility to big plays down the field. Let's not forget that San Diego State had the same problem where they got beat a few times themselves. And so if McDonald can at least get to 60% on, in his completions, it's not like John Ursua, who, by the way, was probably robbed of a Boletnikov finalist spot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like he's all of a sudden dropped off the map. We saw him haul in a game-winning touchdown last week. And Cedric Bird and Jojo Ward right next to him, they have 16 touchdowns between them and 115 catches. So a lot of it is going to come down to the quarterback. And if he can rebound a little bit, which I think he will, I mean, I think he's going to take some hits from the San Diego State attack. But I think I would probably take Hawaii in the points. Ah, should I do it? Do it. Go for it. Stupid upset pick. You know what? I'm going to call it a stupid upset pick. I'm going to say Hawaii 28, San Diego State 27. Go for it. Boom. All right. All right. So let's get to the big game, right? Is this it? Yes. This so, is it. As for a side note really quick, we'll discuss this now. We'll also discuss this because me and our good buddy Raj on Wednesday sometime for a bonus podcast, New Year's Six Day stuff, because why not? It's fun. So we'll have more Utah State boys in that game. This game, Saturday night, ESPN, 8.15 Mountain Time, 7.15 Pacific Time. Number 25, Boise State, home. Utah State, 23 on the road. Broncos are now a two-and-a-half-point home favorite. This better be good, right? This better be worth it. Oh, it's going to be worth it. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Okay, I, I, I have my pick. I'm going to – well, I already have – um, well, people already buy, say I'm biased for whatever team. But here's the thing. BJ Reigns is the Idaho Press Tribune at the press conference just now. 
Mm-hmm. Brett Rippin, if you check my Twitter feed, at currently at Jerry Moss, folks, I put a tweet out because it goes along, Matt, with our opening statement about Thanksgiving food. Brett Rippin's Team Ham. <laughs> Just one more reason why he was our number one pick in the, uh, in, the, in the top 50 in the preseason. Maybe you're number I don't remember the number one pick, so I could say your number one pick. I don't recall who I did. It may have been him. I don't remember if it was or not, but... Just saying, he's a team. He's a ham guy. However, he's with me saying turkey's kind of okay. So I'm like, all right, I can see that. Oh come, okay now, now. <laughs> no, I like now, to, no, no, no. now I'm losing a little bit of favor. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, for me in that. Or no, what? no, no. For Brett Rippin, uh, turkey is if it's cooked bad, it's just terrible. Which can we go for any food, right? Mm-hmm. But turkey, it's um, you gotta dress it up a little bit, right? Just having plain turkey is not the way to go. However, speak for yourself, but continue. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. All right. Um, so the game itself, this game decides a lot because the winner hosts wins the division and hosts the conference title game against uh-huh. Fresno State. We, I know we were short on time here, but where should we really start, man? What's the deal? Because I actually here's what we'll start with: Utah State. Don't play like last week. If we want, if we want this to be a fun game and a lot of points, like we think it can be, um, disregard last week. Let's go back to. The Jordan Love rule, where maybe he'll play half in this game. They win by 40 points. Probably not going to happen. No, I don't think that's going to happen. I want to have a fun game. See, I I saw a lot of Boise State fans feeling a little more confident because, like, oh, my God, Colorado State's hanging with these guys. Then we should definitely be able to do something (laughs) in this game. BYU, excuse me. And, and that was going to be what I pointed out because (laughs) what 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 these two teams have in common is they have both been tested multiple times. And because they're both really good teams, they have found a way to win. Mm-hmm. You know, not only the BYU game, but you know they survived on the road at Nevada. You know, Utah State survived on the road at Wyoming, mm-hmm. and so I don't know that you can necessarily take anything away from those situations, other than to say these are teams that know how to adjust and find different ways to win when the things that they normally do aren't working. You know, we've seen Boise State win with defense. We've seen them have to outscore teams. And we've seen the same thing from Utah State. I guess what I'll start by saying is, you know, at a glance, I think the Aggies are a better matchup across the board than Fresno State is. I think that we haven't really talked about Utah State's offensive line enough. but They're really good. They're, they're really good. They're a, I, I would say that when you look at the offensive lines around the conference, they're probably the best one. And not only because they've done a really good job of keeping Jordan Love upright, I think that's one of the things you start by looking at, is Boise State's pass rush, which they were able to get home more often than I thought they might be able to uh, against Fresno State a couple weeks ago. And even though McMarion and Love's overall sack rate is a little bit uh, pretty similar to one another, I don't think there's any doubt that the, the system that Utah State runs is going to be designed to get the ball a lot quicker. And so yeah. it, that's that's one part of the chess match. You know, Curtis Weaver could have a big game, or he could get stonewalled by Roman Andrews and Sean Taylor on the outside. I think it's also fair to say that Utah State has a much better running game than Fresno State does. And as we just talked about, or no, then Fresno State. Oh, sorry. Yeah, because that was the other kind of big matchup that Boise State top on. I see. And let's not forget, like we just talked about, on a per play basis, Utah State was right there with Colorado State last week. So we know that the Broncos are a little bit banged up in the middle, 
Um, although they do have Sonatali Louis back at the top of the depth chart. You know, they have Chase Atata, who has been nicked up right next to him at defensive tackle. But how well, how well the Broncos can contain Darwin Thompson and Gerald Bright is going to be another key point in this game. Because even if they just have their average game, that I think is going to put Boise State on its back foot. I don't think they. I think they miss. I think that they need to stop the running game in order to force Jordan Love to make plays. Which I think he can, though. That's you the think thing. so? Well, That's, I think I feel like all of these things I'm talking about are fifty-fifty things where I could see them playing out both ways. Well, they are. But what I'm saying is, like, if they stop the running game, why can't Jordan Love make plays? Well, that's what I'm saying. But I think that Boise State, in past defense, has been they've been okay overall. You know, if you look at it by opponents' passer rating, for instance, in conference play they rank seventh. But again, you got to go back to these games that they played close and late. And they found a way to win against BYU. They found a way to win against Air Force. And a lot of that came down to the guys in the secondary. So I think it's fair to say that whoever's back there, whether it's Avery Williams, uh, Tyler Horton, or the safeties, Jordan Happel and Kikoa Nawahini, it, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they decided decide to test them between the numbers. You know, Hit the up-tempo, you know, run on first or second down, go play action and see what they can get over the middle with with someone like Jalen Green or Dax Raymond or something like that. Did you know I'm going through the offensive line starts real quick as you're doing that? So mm-hmm. every game they've had the same offensive line, four of the five team starters outside of, I'm trying to scroll through here real quick, outside of, um, who is it? Um, Andrews missed a couple games. Mm-hmm. But they've had the same four of the five starting offensive line in every game this year. Continuity matters. Yeah, Elifua was there for as it took over for Andrews or not Andrews, but um, Edwards was sorry, Edwards out a little. That's what it was. Andrews just switched over a spot, so Edwards mm-hmm. missed a couple games. So they've had four of the five starters every game, except for a couple. That's a big deal. One thing I noticed too, I'm looking at Twitter. I, I don't know why Boise State fans are doing this. I'm like, well, Utah State—they're only built to win now. That's it. They lose all these starters. Four of the five offensive linemen are gone next year. Why are you caring about next year, guys? Your game is this is four days away. Who cares about 2019? Who cares if Boise State always wins 10 games a year? You should be worried about this week, not going forward. I don't. I just kind of popped in the conversation and didn't comment, but looked. I'm like, why are you even bringing that up, really? What's the point? Was it, say, Boise State should win because they're the better program because they have been the past 20 years? Yeah, so, but this is a one-week game in 2018. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be close regardless. Like this, is, We know Utah State's schedule. They lucked out not playing Fresno State, San Diego State, or Nevada or the West. BYU hasn't been very good this year, who, by the way, they crushed where Boise State struggled with and nearly lost to a freshman quarterback on the road. I mean, no, excuse me, at home, to a freshman quarterback driving down the field. So I, the differences in these teams are very minute because you mentioned a running game for Utah State, and Alexander Madison the past couple of games has finally shown to be really good, like what we thought he'd be all year, 100-plus yards the past couple of games. And so mm-hmm. if he steps up and Rippin plays what he, he can do, it's going to be you can't have any off passes. Like not that bad Brent Ribbon would show up, but look at the pick. Like I think Utah State has eleven or twelve non-offensive touchdowns. They could score in a pick six. Boise State's had special teams issues. Utah State's pretty good returning the ball. What if there's a bad snap because of whatever, like the Oklahoma State game, or there's something going on where they fumble a kick, which Utah State did as well against Colorado State in the frozen cold weather. This game temperature, just for the record, upper mid forties. Should mm-hmm. be it's gonna be night cold, but about forty. So 
that may not be too much of an issue compared to snow and icy field and rock hard football. But like to say, like if you go, who's better at each position? Like both quarterbacks are really good. Probably give the slight edge to Love, mm-hmm. just because running game. Like I said, just because the combination Utah State has a slight edge, but it's not like huge. It's like very small because Boise State has one guy. Utah State has two options. Receiving, it's a wash. I think. I mean, Sean Monster, look what he did. Three, who figured he'd score three touchdowns versus New Mexico? And then mm-hmm. you got Rontavian Carver and other guys. You got Rockamore in Utah State's defense. You got Curtis Weaver. You have all these guys. Like the differences are so small. I know Boise State fans will say, "Oh, Utah State's played nobody." It's like, well, yeah, but they are doing some stuff that Boise couldn't do against the same competition. Yeah, and that's the other thing is. You know, Boise State's receivers, they were able to win in New Mexico last week without John Hightower. Yeah, right? he was out as well. He didn't suit up. Um, but, but Utah State's secondary is a lot better than New Mexico's. Very much And better. so, you know, I, I almost feel like I say the same thing every week is, you know, which Brett Ripon is going to show up. Is that the difference, you think? Is it if he plays great or not? Is that the I only... think it I think it absolutely could be. Because if you look at what New Mexico, excuse me, what Utah State has done in the last month, you know, on the year they have 18 interceptions, but they have at least two picks in each of the last four games. And while the competition, you know, obviously Brett Rippon is the best quarterback that they've faced in the last month, because you go back and that's New Mexico, Hawaii, San Jose State, and Colorado State. But the the point remains the same. They've given themselves opportunities to succeed on with short fields. And that's not something you could say from pretty much anything anybody else that Boise State has faced this year. So, I mean, we've seen San Diego State knock him off his game. And I think that maybe if there's some kind of advantage for Boise State, it's that you know, if, if Tipa Galea isn't getting home and David Warder aren't getting home, there's a very good opportunity that those wide receivers are going to be able to test Utah State's defensive backs in a way that they haven't really been tested all year long. Because, you know, on the one hand, the DBs are ranked fourth in, in the country in overall havoc rate. Like, they've been done a very good job of not only creating turnovers, but just disrupting plays, basically. But Boise State probably has the best trio of receivers in the conference. And so, yeah, whoever wins that matchup, too, is going to make a tremendous difference. And I don't, I don't know. I feel like I, I end up coming back to the same thing well, it's where it's like, it's like, you know, this thing could go one way what if or Josh it could Love go plays, the other way. Yeah, what if Josh Love plays like he did against Wyoming? It's like you said, there's no real obvious advantages or disadvantages on either side. I would say here's my key points. I noticed one thing that is, as I was going through the stats of the offensive line play for Utah State, Third down conversion, Boise State is amazing. Yeah. I believe they're, what, 55% conversion rate in Utah State's mm-hmm. lower, so that could be an issue. For well, e- so here's, here's, here's the key stat. You know, third and long, Boise State has a success rate that ranks second in the country. They've converted on those situations 40% of the time, and third which, is almost, is, which is almost unheard of. And that's third and five plus, right? Uh, I believe so, okay. yeah. Pretty good. But even just but even just like by passing downs, for instance, their their S and P plus rank is thirteenth. So again, Brett Rippon, he's been the man all season long. And if Boise State wants to put this game away, he's going to have to be the man one more time. So I think the difference could be it's kind of lame, but special teams, right? We've seen Boise could, State screw be. because they screwed up more often than Utah State screwed up, right? Yeah, and, and maybe that echoes something that I think I mentioned when we were talking about the Fresno State game a couple weeks ago, is Boise State and Utah State, again, have both been very good about finishing drives. 
you know, Utah State ranks eighth in the country as far as points per scoring opportunity, which is basically just every trip inside the 40-yard line. Boise State's still right there. They're 26th overall. They're averaging five points per. And so it could come down to a situation where if it's, I don't know, fourth and six at the Utah State 35, what is Brian Harson going to do? Because I, I wouldn't be shy about Ooh. putting the ball in Brett Rippon's hands. Fourth and six, so it'd be a 52-yard field goal at home going for a game-winning drive. Or, or maybe, it's, I don't know, fourth and six from, I, I would say, the, yeah, or something like that. I think those 10 yards from the 40 to the 30-yard line whenever each team crosses midfield are going to be extremely crucial because if the defenses can make stops, it may come down to which quarterback can make more plays. So who do you think the better quarterback is? Oh, that's an unfair question, man. Okay, that's like ask... that's like asking me if I prefer turkey or ham. The answer is yes. Oh, that's an easy question. No, okay. Uh, I, I could say no. Say what? No, <laughs> turkey or ham? Uh, I would. Who? Okay. Who? Who do you trust to win the game? Then I know that's kind of the same question, but if if if, if there's a let's just say either scenario, four point game, you got to get a touchdown. Four to six point game. You... I don't know. I don't know that there's an obvious answer because we just saw Jordan Love lead, lead them back. I mean, I think we've seen Brett Rippon do it more often. Okay, there's that. But we just saw Jordan Love do the same thing last week. Was the Wyoming game on the road for for Utah State? Yes, it was. Okay, that's, that could be interesting because you think about it. At Michigan State, they lose close game. They struggle against Wyoming on the road. They struggle against CSU on the road. The only they also they also blew out Hawaii and BYU on the road. I know, I know. I was getting to those too. I'm just saying, hey, three's more than two, three close games and a loss. Um, I'm I was trying to think. I'm looking for something, man. You know how it is. This one. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, wow, I know. And so I'm thinking, like, I've been putting Utah State one for all. So do I have to go to Utah State just to make people mad at me? That is entirely up to you. Team, we got. I know you got to go. So let's get the score prediction here. Team ranking and number five both have it a basically a one one and a half point game. Over under sixty seven and a half. Do you think? Let me ask you this real quick. Do you think there will be a lot of points? Yes. Okay. Do you think they'll blow out the sixty seven and a half over under? <laughs> that is a lot harder to decide. That's a lot. It's not going to be Monday Night Football Chiefs Rams for sure. That'd be awesome, but no. Who you got? I'm going to Utah State, man. Come on. Aggie up. Aggie all the way. Is that what it's called, right? Is that the right thing? Aggie's all the way, Aggie's yeah. That's the I hashtag. Got, I got the wrong one for half the year. Aggie up. <laughs> they well, changed, no, they, I think they, they have that it. one, too. They changed it on us, right? I think so. I, I think it'll be, like, whoever has to bubble up, I think it's last. I think it's going to be, like, 38-35. That's 71 points, right? No, it's... Um, 73. 73, sorry. So it beats over-under. There's going to be a lot of points, because both offenses are good, and I could see... What if Avery Johnson has a kick return? He hasn't done that all year, and he's usually pretty good returning kicks for Boise. You're talking about Avery Williams? Or sorry, Avery Williams. Sorry, not Avery Johnson's the uh, short basketball player from Spurs back in the 90s. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I think, like, I think Utah State's going to get it by a little bit because there will be some play that there will be a non-offensive score that will decide the difference either way. So that's my that's where I'm going. 38-35 Utah State, and they host Fresno State, and they're going to be top 20 in the country in the club. So yeah, I've had a lot of time. I've had a lot of time to think about this. Too much time. Maybe? I've thought. I've thought about this for a long time. Oh man, I don't know how you bet against Boise State at home. I know because what we saw last week. Or last I'm gonna say. 
Broncos 35, Aggies 34. Oh, 35-34. Let's just hope this is a not a blowout either way. It's going to be a classic. I can guarantee you that. Once you guarantee that, it's not going to be a classic. It's thing. going it's to be a classic. <laughs> Mark it down. Mark it Everybody down, out there, says. if you're listening, this is going to be a game that you will be talking about for long, a long, long time. Is this the best game of the night? It absolutely I mean, is no, no, no. I mean, overall, not just in the Mountain West. Clearly, it is the best in the conference. I mean, unless you're scoping out the Apple Cup, which I think is Saturday night. Um, You have BYU-Utah, which I got to be keeping an eye on just because my youth are playing. But that's not better than this game. You have them checking the time frame, rankings here, Notre Dame, USC, nobody cares, LSU, A&M. It's the only night game. Like, there's nothing else on Saturday night in the top 25 team. So this is the game outside of if you want to watch a ranked Utah team crush BYU. Apple Cup is at 6.30 Mountain Time, so it's a couple hours early because I believe it's on Fox. Gotcha, I want gotcha. To say. Yeah, Fox. So there's no reason not to watch this game, right? And follow us on Twitter at MWC Wire. Hot takes from everyone. Oh, yeah. We will we will be all over this game. Follow our guys Raj, Colin, you, Logan, who will be not at the game. Sorry, he's it's at Boise State. So that's it for our show. Um, yeah, check us out iTunes, Stitcher, Tune In, Blog Talk Radio, wherever fine podcasts are sold. And also, Matt, thanks a million for a million page views this year. Woohoo! Yeah, thank you to everybody who listens, reads, shares, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Or needs to find out what, what the heck channel Hawaii football is on. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, even those, even you, you people who come to the site once just to make sure that you had the stadium app, we thank you. I'm telling you, man, we've had like probably a couple thousand direct links to iTunes and Google. Where's our cut from that? All right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, so we'll see you next time. Actually, we'll have our Wednesday show or Thanksgiving show, whenever that may be, with uh, Raj and myself talking probably more in this game and some New York Six stuff. And we'll be back uh, Sunday to, um, dude, break down week thirteen. Until next time, folks.